0: What would you say if I told you that there is a movement out there right now that is ushering in the death of grace and forgiveness in the Christian community? That's right. You are standing at the graveside. When you listen to this movement and what it's actually teaching, you are standing at the graveside of grace and Christian forgiveness in Christ. Stay tuned. Welcome back to The Reform Rant. Today is March 18th. My name is Ed Dingus, and today I am ranting about reparations. This is episode 15 of the podcast, The Reform Rant, as we are just getting started and kind of feeling our way around the podcast world, bumping around uh, here and there. So um, be patient with us. It is a work in progress. So today's rant is about an article that recently appeared in the New York Times written by David Brooks, The Case for Reparations, extolled and praised by the BDM Anyebwele uh, and of course guys like Jamar Tisby. And so I am going to rant for a few minutes about the notion of reparations, I'm not going to get into anything, any sophisticated arguments. I'm just going to basically toss this out and tell you what I think about it from a Christian perspective, and and how I think Christians ought to think about it. And hopefully, along the way, you'll recognize some of the uh, some of the 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 missteps that these arguments are making in support of reparations. And the the errors are range from uh, small to pretty sizable. As we'll see. So uh let's get to it. For
1: oh, such grace From the creation to
0: All right. The first thing that I want to say out of the block, out of the block, right, the the track, the guy who runs track understands what I'm talking about, is that the idea of reparations inevitably has a very chilling effect on the core Christian doctrine of grace, the concept of grace. I'm going to show you how this ties together. It also has Some very disturbing uh, implications for Christian forgiveness So here, two things, grace and and forgiveness Two very, very basic core concepts in the Christian worldview That this idea has implications for and really very chilling effects on So I'm not going to start there, but keep, keep... Keep that. Uh, what do you say? Let's uh, let's let's tag that. Dog tag that page. We'll come back to that in just a few minutes. So, from a practical standpoint, let's just talk practicalities. And I'm going to share some things with you. Uh, just give you us a, a tiny glimpse into my personal life. Something that um, I don't typically do. First, first and foremost, reparations as it stands, is impossible to execute in a way that is just, even if it were the right thing to do. And it, it isn't. But it would be impossible to execute justly. And it's ironic to me that the people who are supposedly crying justice, 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 are the ones who are crying for screaming for reparations, okay? So here's the thing. There is no way, and I know you've heard these arguments before, there's no way to determine which black people should receive reparations and and how much they should receive. There's no way to determine that. There's no way to figure that out. And there's even if there were a way to figure out and identify which people should receive reparations, which people should receive money, there's, there's no way to figure out just exactly how much they should receive because there's no way to determine just exactly how slavery from 150 years ago, how just exactly how much that has impacted them economically in their life because there are other factors at play in a person's current situation uh, Economic status. My family, my family never owned slaves. We were on the side of the Union. Okay. Not only that, but you're going to take money from me, and my kids, even though we never owned slaves. Now, so how much are you going to take from me? Are you going to take the same amount from me, from on a percentage? standpoint that you're going to take from the other white guy who who did benefit more directly from slavery economically speaking so to speak? i mean seriously am i going to it we're, it's 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 the other side of this coin we don't know how much to give to the black person who suffered and we don't know how to, how much to take from each of the white guys who benefited because they benefited to varying degrees so this is, like, really, it's impossible. Now, not only did my family not own slaves, not only did my family uh, side uh, with the union, um, I grew up poor. Now, some people say, yeah, sure, you grew up poor. Okay, yeah. I had, I had this conversation with a, a little black girl that uh, on my, in my office, Uh, a few years back, around uh, being poor. And she grew up in Brooklyn. And I laughed. (laughs) No one who grows up in Brooklyn, uh, for the most part, grows up really poor. Not really poor. I mean really, truly poor. And if they do, it's extremely rare. I was 11 years old before I knew what it was like to have running water. In the house. I was 11 years old before I knew what it was like to have running water in my house. My mother made many of the clothes that I wore to school, and my kids, my friends, the other kids knew it. It was obvious. Never had my own bicycle growing up, ever. In my whole life, I have never had. That's my bicycle I've been tempted to go buy a bicycle Just so I can put an end to that But uh, at this point, gosh, what, what's the point? I ate beans and potatoes five days a week Until I was a teenager It was only on the weekends, especially Sundays Sundays When we had the big dinners With the, the chicken And the mashed potatoes And the green beans And the cornbread That we really got a treat And let me also say this Many, many, many of those days I would watch my grandpa Go get the chicken that we were going to have for dinner later that afternoon And I would watch the whole thing I would watch the execution I would watch the preparation I knew exactly what to do So I know what it's like to be poor So you're going to take money from me? Seriously and, and there are kids Who grew up Far worse Than I did Much poorer than I was Okay So that's, that's one problem Reparations is impossible to execute In a way that is just That's one problem Reparations Will only continue to fuel Racial tensions in the culture that's another problem. You see, so long as uh, one group feels like another group owes them something and is holding that over their head, even though the other group feels like they've made tremendous progress in uh, equaling the playing field, balancing things out. And it, it took much longer than it needed to to get there, but it's it's far different today than it was uh, 30, 40, especially 50, 60, 70 years ago. But this, this beating of the drum continues. And in fact, in recent years, it seems to be getting louder. So racial or, uh, reparations will only continue to fuel racial tensions in the culture. Now, the Bible tells Christians to live peaceably with all men where it's possible. That includes black Christians. It includes white Christians. But it includes black Christians. Living in a culture that where they may think, or it may be their perception, that things are not quite even. Things are not quite the way they should be. Well, what what should the attitude be? Go in and and put your fingers around the government and shake them and 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 force them to change the situation? Is that what Paul and Peter and James and John and Jesus did? No, they didn't. Now that's hard medicine, but that's biblical Christianity. You think the Jews were oppressed? You think they were discriminated against? You think Christians were oppressed and discriminated against? Where was Paul and Peter and James and John and Jude? Where were they? Going to Caesar saying, hey, we demand equality It isn't anywhere to be found This message that we're hearing about reparations Is not a message that's coming from scripture What is happening is the Bible is being used Twisted, perverted, and corrupted Contorted in all kinds of different ways In order to supposedly support this idea The Bible does not support this idea, folks Not in any way, shape, or form Reparations will only continue to fuel racial racial tensions in the culture. Third, reparations begins with unbiblical ideas, the unbiblical idea, the unbiblical idea, I'll say it again, that we deserve better. We don't. It is the idea that every human being deserves to be treated equally. We all deserve fairness in this life. We don't. None of us do. Every single one of us deserve to be enslaved under the worst possible conditions we could ever imagine. And worse. And then and then we're still getting better than we deserve. The Christian understands that God is perfectly holy and just and righteous and good. And we have violated. His will, we have have gone against His nature. We have given Him the proverbial universal middle finger, the sign to, you know, back off of us, we're gonna do our thing. We are idolaters to the core. God-haters, loving our sin, loving our rebellion, loving our rejection. Were it not for His grace, we would go on hating Him until the last breath left our body. And for that reason, we don't deserve anything good. So the idea of reparations that people deserve better is an unbiblical idea at its core. And if that's the case, you can't even get started in this conversation. Fourth, reparations is outside the mission of the church. The church is not called to end poverty, racism, sex trafficking, abortion, gay marriage, divorce, homosexuality, the drug trade, or any of the problems that exist out there in the pagan culture. That is not our calling. We're not called to put an end to those things. We are called to preach the gospel, to baptize converts, and to make disciples. We're called to be the, the city, the light of the world, the city set on a hill that can't be Kid, Look, when Jesus said, you know, I was in prison and you visited me And you fed me and you clothed me and you gave me water And they said, when did we do this? And inasmuch as you did this to one of these little ones, you did it to me The little ones are Christians, folks They're not generic poor people living in the world Even the Apostle Paul in 1 Timothy chapter 5 when he's talking about the church's responsibility to care for widows Places very strict criteria around how a widow qualifies for that kind of support Now if a widow from that time must meet certain qualifications In order to receive these, these gifts from the church, this support from the church then anyone else is going to have to meet certain criteria as well. This isn't ending poverty in general in the world. That's not the calling of the church. Never has been. The church is not called to protect the world from the consequences of its rejection of and hatred for God. You see, these inequalities, racism, hatred... Homosexuality, abortion, murder, rape, theft, idolatry, drugs, homosexuality, all of these things, all of these things are the revelation of the wrath of God upon a human society that has given God the middle finger. We need to understand that. And it is not the calling of the church to protect the world from the wrath of God. Five, reparations denigrates the atoning work of Christ on the cross. How does it do that? How in the world does it do that? Well, white people are literally being told that they have to atone for the sin of slavery. This presupposes that Slavery in all forms is a sin And it also Implies That this sin was never atoned for Ladies and gentlemen That is an affront To our crucified Savior There are no sins left On the planet That still need to be atoned for Not slavery Racism or any other sin They have all been paid for in Christ at the cross. Six, reparations contradicts the Bible when it adopts the view that all forms of slavery are inherently evil. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 5. Let's just run through this. Paul says slaves be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling in the sincerity of your heart as to Christ not by way of eye service as men pleasers but as servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart slaves it is the will of God that you obey your masters that's what Paul says Colossians 3.22 slaves in all things obey those who are your masters on earth not with external service as those who are merely who merely please men but with sincerity of heart fearing the lord 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 1 all who are under the yoke as slaves are to regard their own masters as worthy of all honor So that the name of God, so that the name of God, so that the name of God and our doctrine will not be spoken against. See, we are far too busy, far too busy worrying about what we deserve, what we're entitled to, than we are thinking about how our attitude reflects on Christ and His Word. We don't care. I want what's mine. I don't care that that distracts from the gospel, that that denigrates the atoning work of Christ. I want what's mine. I'm entitled. Titus chapter 2, verse 9. You want to be transformed into the image of Christ? Embrace being a slave. Urge bond slaves to be subject to their own masters in everything, to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith so that they will adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior, in every respect. What is more important than my right as a... A white guy living in America or a black guy living in America or whomever. What is, what is more important than that? Christ, the gospel, the word. And when we engage in the kind of behavior we're engaging in, we demonstrate that our own rights, our own well-being, are more important to us than Christ. First Peter chapter 2, verse 18, Servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable. Why? For this finds favor, if for the sake of conscience toward God a person bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly. You see. So if you're going to adopt the view that slavery, all forms of slavery under all circumstances and all cultures is wrong, well then you're going to have to talk to the Apostle Paul and Peter about this and even Jesus because in Jesus' entire ministry, he had plenty of opportunity to condemn the institution of slavery, and he never did. Could Jamar Tisby, Tim Keller, Thabiti Anyabwili, Russell Moore, Matt Chandler, David Platt, could any of these guys go three and a half years without condemning slavery? Could they? Jesus did, and it was it, Jesus didn't live in a culture where slavery had once existed and existed no longer. Jesus lived in a culture of slavery, as did Paul, as did Peter. Paul's ministry spans how many years? 15 years? 20 years? 25 years? And we have no record whatsoever whatsoever. Of his wholesale condemnation of slavery in any way, shape, or form In fact, I just read to you Paul's Paul's instructions to slaves And he had instructions for masters as well On how to treat their slaves Look, these guys will point to, to guys like Zacchaeus When Zacchaeus promised to restore damages, the damages were caused by him And the people being restored, the people who he was going to go give the money to, were the people who had been damaged. Numbers chapter 5 lays out the ancient theocracy's procedures for reparations and they do not resemble Jamar Tisbe's or Thabiti and Yabwili's in any way, shape, or form. They are completely foreign to what's being proposed today by these so-called Christian men who are supposedly saying these are Christian ideas—they're not Christian ideas, folks. The problem with this idea, again, is that it destroys grace. We need to—we cre- need to teach Christians honestly. We know we deserve to be enslaved, even in the worst conditions. We deserve it. We know that the good that we have in this life if everyone else on the planet has more good than us, is still good that we don't deserve. If we're receiving less good than anybody else on earth, we're still receiving more good than we deserve. That has to sink in. We know that we have offended God far worse than anyone could ever have offended us or wronged us. Why are we ignoring that? We know that God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven those whom he has called to himself, even though they and we do not deserve it. But he did. Therefore, because God has forgiven me for Christ's sake, I must forgive those who've wronged me. And to the black Christian... You must forgive those who enslaved your great, great, great grandparents. You must forgive those who wronged your grandparents and your parents and you. Even if they wronged you just for the color of your skin, you must forgive them because what you did to God is far worse than any man could ever do to you for the color of your skin. And remember, you have sinned against God. I have sinned against God. We deserve it. God does not deserve to be offended in any way, shape, or form, and yet we offended Him. Reparations must punish the innocent and reward those who have no reward coming. There are a multitude of causes for poverty in this this country. And this suggestion of reparations is is going to take money from those who wronged no one in the sense of reparations, and it's going to give it to people who really don't have it coming. People who deserve it don't exist. (laughs) People who deserve reparations do not exist, right? Uh, the, The causes of poverty are numerous. Dropping out of school, sexual promiscuity, criminal behavior, refusing to accept personal responsibility for our own actions, blaming other people for our own failures, not doing what we're supposed to do. There are tons of factors that contribute to poverty in this country. They're not all traceable back to the color of a person's skin. In fact, I don't know that you can, you can trace poverty to the color of someone's skin, to melanin. Again, I grew up in abstract poverty. I'm, I'm not poverty-stricken today okay reparations is not the responsibility of christians or the christian church individually yes individually if if you if you hit someone's automobile and you create damages or you do something that that uh, injures someone in some way then well yes you should pay for the damages that you caused that is only the right thing to do, but that is not what we are talking about here. Yet that is biblical reparations, you see. That's what the scripture teaches. That's how the Bible views reparations. Not this, not this, these classes of people who are supposedly benefiting and oppressing other classes. And not only that, from, from, from decades ago. Okay, We are not culture shapers. This is not the duty and the responsibility or the mission of the Christian church it's completely outside what we're called to do what we're called to be All right now i'm going to leave you with this this has to this has to sink in matthew chapter 18 i'm going to start at verse 32 we had a a slave that owed money, couldn't pay. He was forgiven. He turned around and went to one of his fellow slaves who owed him money and didn't forgive him. Didn't forgive him. Seized him, started to choke him. His fellow slave asked for mercy, and he withheld that mercy. And his Lord found out about this. And he says, Then summoning him, his Lord said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not also have mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I had mercy on you? And his Lord, moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed him. Jesus says this, My heavenly Father will also do the same to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. If you are are an African-American Christian, if you are a black Christian and you are tempted to look at the white person in general and despise them because of slavery or because of, of discrimination that happened back when or even because of maybe something that some white person may have done to you. I have news for you. Jesus is talking to you. Not only is he talking to you about people who haven't wronged you, he's talking to you about the person who has. If the black Christian leaders and these white Christian leaders, these SBC guys and the PCA guys and these evangelical leaders want to do something that will benefit the churches, let them stand up from the pulpit and preach about what biblical forgiveness actually looks like. Leave off with this nonsense, this political posturing, this virtue signaling, and this foolishness that does nothing but reinforce to to either false converts, outright pagans, or weak Christians that it's okay for them to hold grudges over things like slavery and discrimination and being wronged. In, in years gone by. It is not okay. God is not fine with that. Biblical reparations is nothing like what you are being told. You need to run to the cross of Christ. There is forgiveness there. And when you receive that forgiveness from Christ, when that's applied to your heart, you need to turn around and do likewise to anyone else who has offended you or hurt you, or injured you, just the same way that God forgave you. Because if you do not do that, God will not forgive you. All right. That's all I have to say about reparations. If you have any questions or comments, run over to Reformed Reasons. Uh, You can leave comments and questions over there. Thank you for listening. If you are listening to uh, the Reformed Rant on a mobile app, you can also leave questions, suggestions, comments there. I hope this was a benefit to you. I pray that it was honoring to the name of Christ and glorifying to God and spiritually edifying to you. God bless you. Take care until we rant again. This podcast is part of the Bible Thumping Wingnut Network, biblical Christianity's marketplace of ideas. BibleThumpingWingnut.com.